You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Hello and welcome back to A Galaxy Far, Far Away. I hope you're doing well today. Now, when it comes to Star Wars, I bet you'd hardly meet anyone who thought that Jedi Knights were a lame addition to the story, or mere side characters. For the fact is, Jedi Knights and the Force forms the heart and soul of Star Wars, and what they represent really sets Star Wars apart from many other classical science fiction stories. But have you ever considered how bizarre it is that Jedi Knights are considered cool in our secular post-religious culture? How is it that Jedi Knights, a bunch of celibate, ascetic men in scruffy clothes who are obedient to superiors and own no possessions, could be perceived as desirable? Okay, they have lightsabers going for them, and that is pretty cool. After all, what would Star Wars be without lightsabers? But my gut instinct is that their appeal goes far deeper than that, and more into their philosophy, their worldview, or even their spirituality. For if ever a pop culture figure rises to cult status, as the Jedi have, very often it is because it is resonating with a deep absence in our culture. For example, social psychologists explain our recent splurge in superhero movies as our culture's deep desire for empowerment. Because we're so often feeling disempowered and cut off from any means to make any real difference in our society, superhero movies become a beacon of hope for us ordinary people. Anyway, with this in mind, what voids might the iconic Jedi Knights be filling for our culture? I propose there are many voids in religious life, but we'll cover these in some later Myth Pilgrim episodes. Today, we'll start with the idea that Jedis stir within us a desire for the ascetic life, one that is focused, simple, and detached from the many distractions of the world. This episode, we're going to learn about three types of detachment practiced by Jedi that parallel the Christian life. To do this, I'll be visiting three Yoda scenes. Help do I can? Yes! One from each trilogy generation of Star Wars. The first type of detachment will be the letting go of created things. The second type will be the letting go of failure. And the third type will be the letting go of the future. All three of these detachments are core to Jedi and Jesus' teaching, and depending on where you are in the spiritual life, one may speak to you more than the other. So, let's get into it. First, the detachment from created things. While this is the most obvious understanding of detachment, it is by no means the easiest to achieve, especially for us moderns who love our gadgets and social media and stuff. For some perspective, we're going to look at a scene from Episode 3, where Yoda is speaking with Anakin inside the Jedi Temple. As a bit of backstory leading to this scene, Anakin is a Jedi Knight who is secretly married to Padme, though this is forbidden by the Jedi Code. Even so, he has been having these dreams about Padme dying in childbirth, and this greatly disturbs him. After the untimely death of his mother, Anakin had sworn that he would never allow anyone else he loved to die. Because his dreams were so real though, 
he decided to bring them up before Master Yoda without giving away the identity of who it was in the dream. The conversation he has with Yoda runs something like this. Yoda says, Premonitions, these visions, Jeff. I thought about putting on Yoda's voice, but it was really embarrassing, so maybe another time. Oh, premonition. Yoda says, <laughs> sorry. Yoda says, Premonitions, these visions you have. They are of pain, suffering, death. Yourself you speak of, or someone you know? Someone, Anakin replies. Close to you? Yes. Mm. Careful you must be when sensing the future, Anakin. Fear of loss is a path to the dark side. I won't let these visions come true, Master Yoda. Mm. Death is a natural part of life. Rejoice in those around you who have transformed into the Force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. What must I do, Master Yoda? Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Mm, profound. Like any good mentor, Yoda here gives warning to his people of impending danger. In this case, how the fear of loss is a path to the dark side. But note, Yoda encourages Anakin to let go of everything he fears to lose, not because those things are bad in themselves. Padme is a good thing, a good person, and Yoda himself had a good relationship with the senator. No, the issue isn't Padme, but Anakin's attachment for her, an attachment which pulls him away from flourishing as a Jedi, as the man he was destined to be. Likewise, with our relationship with God's creations. It is important to assert that God's love for us includes the gifts of the people and created things in our lives. Family, friends, phones, pets, houses, cars and sports teams are all good things. But an inordinate attachment to these things is not good. What do I mean by inordinate? Well, if the created things in our lives pulls us away from following God's will and from flourishing as a child of God, then we too must give pause. How then should a Christian relate with God's gift for us? I once heard it explained like this. Imagine a friend offers you a gift, like a box of something. There are three possible ways for you to receive that gift. First, you can clench your fists really tight and fold your arms and say, Nope, nope, I don't want that. I don't need anything else except God's love. Nothing else. That would be one type of response. A second type of response would be the opposite in which you snatch at the gift and run away from it, saying, It's mine, it's mine, it's my own, it's my precious, and nothing can ever pry it away from my hands. Or thirdly, you could humbly receive the gift with open hands and thank your friend. Your hands hold onto the gift ever so lightly, knowing it is neither yours to keep nor yours that you've earned. You receive it as pure gift, and hence are prepared also at any moment to let it go. Might I suggest that this third way is the way of Christian detachment. See how it's neither the shunning of God's created gifts, but nor is it the possession or greed over it. It's a bit like the prophet Job when he says, Well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, that's nice, Lawrence. But how can we recognize when we are inordinately attached to a created thing? Well, let's come back to the Yoda statement and ask ourselves, what is it that I most fear to lose? What's something I feel I cannot live without? You may be surprised what comes up, and this is surely a clue. If you're like me, I want to say, 
The only thing I can't live without is God's love. But unfortunately, I can't say that because I'm still very much attached to X and Y and person Z. I am not really free to follow God's will for me, not till I recognize that X, Y and Z are gifts from God and in some ways can see God through them. And depending on the state of life God is inviting you into, God may not actually be asking you to renounce X, Y and Z, but to see them instead as a gift rather than something that's yours. Though, of course, for things that are directly harmful and sinful to our soul, God may well be asking you to renounce it outright. This is a long and purifying process, one that will require time to form good habits and the enlisting of comrades to fight with you. But the first step, and the hardest step, is always to begin with what Yoda suggests to Anakin. To reflect on, recognising what it is that I most fear to lose. The second type of detachment Jedi can teach us is the detachment from failure. This will be fun. Now, I say up front that both failure and success can be causes of our downfall. For we can be tempted to fall into depression when we fail and become tempted to swell up with pride when we succeed. And I'm going to propose that the latter, pride, is actually the more dangerous. To explore this notion, we will now visit episode 8, and look at a conversation between Master Yoda and an adult Luke Skywalker. Again, a bit of backstory. On Luke's island of refuge, the spirit of Yoda had just set fire to the sacred Jedi tree housing the original Jedi texts. Luke and him are sitting watching the blaze. At this point in the story, Luke is very depressed and crestfallen because his most beloved apprentice, Ben Solo, had abandoned his tutelage and turned to the dark side. Feeling like a failure, he had run off to the island, run away from the world, and closed himself off from the Force. So, when Rey suddenly appears on his doorstep, he is very reluctant to train her. Now, in his dialogue with Yoda, he says, I was weak, I was unwise. Yoda responds, Lost Ben Solo you did, lose Rey you must not. Luke says, I can't be what she needs me to be. To which Yoda responds, Heeded my words not you did. Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, yes, but weakness and folly and failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. These are pretty profound words, considering that Luke is like the successful Jedi who faced down the Emperor, converted his father and saved the galaxy. He was the hero in the original trilogy and surely had much wisdom to pass on. But now, Yoda was telling him to pass on his failure too, as if it were the greatest wisdom of all. What could this possibly mean? I do feel it has something to do with pride, or more accurately, the warning against pride. For failure disarms pride, and pride is the greatest vice of all, the greatest sin of all, for it blinds us to many other fatal flaws we might have. Luke himself tells Ray that it was in fact hubris, a word from the Greeks that mean the arrogance before the gods. It was hubris that cost him Ben Solo and gave birth to the evil Kylo Ren. Okay, so how does this translate to the Christian life? On one level, God can actually allow us to fail. And not because he doesn't love us, but because he does. In the scriptures, pretty much all the mightiest heroes were failures and had noticeable epic fail faceplant moments. 
Moses committed murder, Jonah ran away, David committed adultery, Peter betrayed Jesus, and yet their failure became the antidote to their pride. Their sin becomes the very means of grace. For only a sinner who knows they are a sinner can encounter the mercy of God, his highest quality. The strong and successful cannot. Of course, this doesn't mean that a Christian should therefore go out and set themselves up for failure. Nor does this mean that a Christian should go and set themselves up for success. Rather, we set ourselves up to solely be faithful to God and to trust that God will handle the outcomes on his own terms. On a deeper level, we also detach from both success and failure because we are actually not in the best position to know exactly what constitutes success or failure. Think of Jesus' closest buddies and bosom friends on Good Friday. There before the cross, there was no conceivable way for them not to think of Jesus as a failure. And yet we also know it was the greatest triumph in history, but who could have known? Consider someone like Blessed Charles de Foucault, who during his lifetime saw his every attempt to start a religious order flop, only to have multiple religious orders spring up after his death. Should he have given up when he saw failure through his work? No, success and failure can often be hard to measure, especially when we know we are faithful to God. As Mother Teresa aptly reminds us, God doesn't ask that we succeed in everything, but only that we remain faithful. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, please subscribe to it so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. If you'd like to be notified by email every time a new episode is released, hop onto the website at themythpilgrim.com to register. The third type of detachment is about letting go of the future. In one sense, this concept is less about detachment and more about presence. Being fully aware and conscious of what is going on in the present, in the here and now. This, as we'll see, is absolutely central for a relationship with God, and not least a basic prayer life. The Star Wars scene we'll draw inspiration from takes place in Episode 5, when a younger Luke is on the swampy Dagobah inside Yoda's hovel. In this scene, Luke had only just realised that the annoying green Muppet was actually the Great Master Yoda. Yoda at this time is greatly dismayed at Luke's immaturity. He sighs to Obi-Wan, saying... He is not ready. Luke blurts out, I am ready. I can be a Jedi. Ben, tell him I'm... And then he hits his head on top of the roof. Ready are you, says Yoda. What know you of ready? For 800 years have I trained Jedi. My own counsel will I keep on who is to be trained. A Jedi must have the deepest commitment, the most serious mind. This one a long time have I watched. All his life as he looked away to the future, to the horizon. Never his mind on where he was. Hmm? What he was doing. Hmm. Adventure. (laughs) Excitement. (laughs) A Jedi craves not these things. You are reckless. Okay, what comes across as pretty tough words to us Western minds would actually be quite endearing coming from a Chinese master, like of my background, where we expect our mentors to discipline and admonish us when we are out of line. Anyway, Yoda here links Luke's recklessness with his constant fixation on the future, something which he does at the expense of the moment. This is something that Obi-Wan had sought to overcome in Luke by instructing him to surrender to the Force. 
But in episode 5, Luke is tested when he suddenly receives a premonition of future events, where he sees his friends suffering immensely. Hmm, like father, like son. Fixated by this vision, he rushes to Cloud City to prevent this from happening, prematurely abandoning his training on Dagobah. Both Yoda and Obi-Wan caution him against living fixated on the future, for even Master Yoda cannot see how the future would unfold. Luke ignores them, which would prove to be a costly mistake, one that nearly costs him his life, but in the end, he only gets disarmed. Get it? Disarmed. (laughs) So, what wisdom can we draw from all this for the Christian life? Well, on a basic level, Jesus himself tells us not to be anxious about tomorrow, for today has enough troubles of its own. If God is able to look after the sparrows and the flowers of the field, how much more would he look after us, his own children? The truth is, we become fixated on the future when we do not really believe God's presence extends there. While there are, of course, normal types of worry, like worrying for a sick parent or an upcoming job interview, I feel Jesus is referring to a different kind of worry, the kind that robs us of appreciating the present moment. For Christians, the antidote to this type of anxiety is not necessarily our action, but rather humility. A humility to know that God is bigger than the thing that we are worrying about. To have faith about this is always a gift we can cry out for. Let's take heed of God's words through the prophet Jeremiah, where he says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future full of hope. On a more profound level regarding detachment from the future, God can only actually be loved in the present moment, not in the future, nor in the past. I mean, look at the Our Father. It instructs us to pray for daily bread, not bread for a lifetime. The enemy, on the other hand, wants us to be anxious about the future and trapped in the past. He whispers all sorts of lies that turns even faithful Christians into manana people, tomorrow people, People will always think, ah, tomorrow I'll change this habit, or tomorrow I'll resolve this relationship issue, or tomorrow I'll begin my prayer life again, etc., etc. Yet, it is only in the here and now that grace is given. It is here and now that God speaks with us, and it is in the here and now that we can resolve to repent. Again, more wisdom from Mother Teresa. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. To recognize God's presence right now is perhaps the greatest gift of all and the secret to detaching from even the other two types of attachment we've explored earlier in the episode. Let's all pray for this sort of holy indifference so that we may be fully present to God in the present and be free to do His will. Okay, in summary, we've explored today three ways Jedi Masters can teach us detachment. The first way is the healthy detachment from created things. Here we explored how to receive everything from God as a gift, and how to hold everything lightly, and be ready to give it back to God if it be His will. The second way of detachment is letting go of failure, where we identify that the highest virtue a Christian possesses is faithfulness rather than success. Here we also explored how we are never actually even in the best position to judge success or failure, and how the gospel seems to center on God triumphing through failure. And the third way of detachment is letting go of the future. 
Here we learned how the enemy wants us to be fixated on either the past or the future, whereas it is only in the present that we can actually encounter the love of God. Amen. Which of these three detachments speaks into your situation the best today? I suggest that for the practical pilgrim reflection, pick one of these three ways of detachment. Unhealthy attachment of any sort is actually a sin, for it pulls us away from God and others and turns the thing into an idol. Hence, make a firm resolution to renounce that attachment and to make practical amends to be free from it. Try and make it something concrete, for repentance is truly an act of the whole person, not just the will. I will be interested to hear what areas you have chosen, and hopefully to celebrate with you the freedom that comes from renouncing it. So yeah, until then, until next time, journey forth, take care, and God bless. Yes! Mm-hmm.